Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Take TV podcast post round 23. Uh, today we have a very special guest we'll get to shortly, but uh, on the agenda today, uh, we'll go over our ranks and our best players for the season. I uh, will interview Selby from Mirrors Magic, who finished eighth this year, so outstanding job, and also reflect on our 2022 seasons. And also towards the end of the video, we'll discuss uh, the All-Australian squad, which just dropped, so that should be fun. Uh, boys, how are we? Good, Jordan. Excellent. Um, so we'll cross over to everyone one by one. So I think we'll start uh, with our guests, uh, Selby. Uh, so what was your rank this year and uh, who are your best three players for the year and the Wait, Don't hold, Monday Award? Hold on, hold on, hold on. you got to give like Selby a proper intro here. All right. So for those that don't know, because we are a Supercoach podcast, they may not know a ton about Selby or Moro's <laughs> Magic as he's more commonly known in the fantasy world. So back-to-back first finishes. I think you've also had two other finishes in the top 100 as well. So you've like four really, really good results and then decided it was too easy, so stopped. Uh, I started running a fantasy advice website for the last couple of years, which has been super successful. Started the AFLW fantasy competition and then decided, you know what, let's just have a double at the super coach game, see what that's all about, and got a top 10 finish straight off the bat. So the absolute legend goat himself when it comes to fantasy footy formats in Australia. Uh, and it's very, very, very special to have him talking to us because he's got a lot of other things to do with his time. You know, his own podcast with Dave Ellis, uh, he's top top 10 Tommy on super coach side as well. So very appreciative of the little time he has. So thank you for being here, Selby. But yes, please go over how you finished your, your last round and all the good stuff. Cheers to pump up, JD. Thanks that, George. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, <laughs> yes, I finished eighth in the end, which was, I think I was ninth leading in. So I wasn't too nervous all season, but it, the old fancy nerves it brought back some memories that last round. Uh, and then Sammy Walsh, I got a bit of luck, Sammy Walsh being the laid out, all but sealed the top 10. So eighth, happy with that. Uh, in terms of for the season, best three picks. Oh, it'd be the underpriced guys in defence, I think. Sicily, Hewitt, and third, probably Will Brody. Well, I didn't actually start with, mind you. But uh, the popular, like we'll go through philosophies in my team. There was no one really in my team who was unique. They were just, I seemed to nail most of the good ones. So they, those three were the keys and also a soft spot for Paddy Cripps who also brought it home. Strong, which again, speaking of luck, two weeks before when it looked like he was out for the last two weeks, that boat was looking all good and very, very, certainly had a bit of luck to finish it. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I'm kind of shocked that you finished in the top 10 because I think we were talking like a month out and you were probably out of trade to that point. And I think what well, you usually ask from a Hewitt or something like that, I thought there's no way you're going to get unscathed. And not only did you manage to dodge all the bullets, you went up in ranks over that period as well. So pretty amazing effort. Yeah, no, I was crazy towards the end. Like I was hard on my trades. Again, we'll probably go through it soon, philosophies and what I've learned from fantasy-wise. But was holding on to one or two for pretty much the whole back half of the year. Used the last on Hewitt for Stewart, which didn't really yield that many points in the end. He, uh, Stewart was pretty underwhelming the last couple. But, yeah, carnage happened around me. So, all of a sudden, everyone else was forced to have one or zero trades as well. So, it's pretty quick. I think from one week, it looked like I was the only one with one. To then three weeks' time, everyone had one or zero. So, I was back at level playing field. And, yeah, the Crips decision slash Walsh out late propelled me up towards the end yep so i think next we'll go to jd since he thinks he's hosting so jd who are your what was your rank and who's your top three and you don't come monday award <laughs> hey, so don't come the floor is don't, yours again 
Don't come Mondays going to you at this rate, George. Uh, so, three, two, one. I, so, I think uh, my MVP for the year was probably Jared Witts, who I kind of started as a bit of an accident in the end uh, with Darcy being a laid out, but was low owned and kind of held my team together given how bad the rest of the starting team was. Uh, two, I'd give to Dawson. Just really enjoyed owning him. And he was one of the more unique premiums I picked at the start of the year that went well for the whole thing. Uh, and then the one point, like, I really didn't have too many good picks that lasted the rest of the year. So it could go to either like Cogs or Neil, who are both underpriced, but they were very highly owned. So, uh, yeah, uh, don't come Monday. I think, like, Crisp, I hate him. I never want to watch him play football again. <laughs> uh, I don't want to see his TikToks. I don't want to hear about him. Um, so he'll be irrelevant next year as he'll go mid only and look a little bit harsh because it it does sound like he's been carrying injury the back half of the year but he's been a misery to own from yeah about the buys on so that'll be that'll be who i give it to yeah so i missed my don't come monday and i'll double down chris you mentioned from the buys i've got him in during the buys and purely (laughs) the choice between him and uh sinclair but i was pretty heavily uh, had enough players in that last buy round where Sinclair was playing and Crisp wasn't playing. So the decision to get Crisp over Sinclair to get one extra player throughout the buys, I haven't – I did run the mass recently, but I think the, the difference is about say. per week for 12 weeks, and I'm not sure how much I lost by, but <laughs> I think it was a difference between winning. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't do that to yourself. I did that with FPL last year. I don't want to know about it because I think, yeah, similar thing. Uh, I guess it's me up um, – so uh, finished 2,609th in the end. Top three players. Um, I think the top one probably has to be Merritt for me uh, just because of what he did for my rank, you know, in the back half of the year. Um, sort of propelled me up the ranks. Uh, two, I'll go a little bit left field, left field in a bit, but Nick Dacos, the fact he's still on my team in round 23 and, you know, went, I don't know, 105 the last couple of months. Um, was amazing. And then I'll give the one to Dawson as well. Started him as well. Um, wasn't good in the last week and, you know, cost himself uh, the top defender of the year, but still, I think, what, top three, top four, and was really uh, consistent for the most part. Um, and the don't come Monday has to just go to, to old Baz Lenker. Uh, the fact that me and JD brought him in, knowing that he'd probably highly likely get the forward DPP, he did. And then he went and got himself suspended and then, well, double suspended, I guess. <laughs> but then the fact that he was like the best option I could afford when um, Cogs was out and I had no cover, uh, got him back in and he's been abysmal for the last two or three weeks again. So, yep, he's, he's been really poor. Um, but, yeah, what about you, Jordan? What were, what were your uh, players be? Yep. So, so my rank was uh, 2,093. Uh, Sammy Walsh lay out kind of stung a little bit, but um, nonetheless, a lot of other things that could have helped my rank there. Uh, three votes. I did trade him out, but I have to give it to Heaney just for his start, all the points he got. Uh, a lot of non-believers uh, here, um, but uh, he played very well. It's an interesting one, Heaney, because he's one of the very few players that can score without CBAs, but he needed a massive preseason. Um, two votes. I think I got in Laird about round seven or eight, and he's been just immense for captaincy consistency. So, yeah, trying to avoid tagged plays for captains and whatnot underperformers. You know, Tuke had a few down ones. I lost a few points on him as a captain, but yeah, uh, Laird's captaincy scores were much appreciated. And uh, the one vote, got to give to, I think, James Sicily. So I jumped on him pretty early. I think we're out 
round four and just been it's interesting with Sicily because he did 110 in the in the COVID year before he got switched forward and did the ACL and he said in the preseason this was his best preseason ever he worked harder than before and he's done more than 110 off a great of his best preseason ever so maybe should have started him and don't come Monday award is Tim English so maybe a bit unlucky with the concussion um, but just I don't know the disposals are just way down for him and uh, just doesn't look the same player uh, that he was early in the year so that's my season wrapped up there so I think we'll get into some questions and also reflecting on our year um, for 2022 so first thing uh, Selby um, so you have two new fantasy formats coming up and uh, the first one is finals footy fantasy uh, hopefully I got that right uh, could you tell us a bit about it and how people can sign up yeah, so just in case you haven't got fantasy fatigue and, and over your team and you mentioned don't come Monday, you could throw a few extra players in that too. So <laughs> we're running a comp for the finals series. So we'll kick off, what well, I think it's Thursday night footy uh, next week or week and a half. So the site will be finalsfootyfantasy.com.au, yet to launch. So it should launch by the end of this week, give you a week or so to to build a team. Essentially, it's going to be very casual uh Easy way to play as a plan. No salary caps, unlimited trades. There'll be injury subs. If you get someone injured in the first, I think, 40% game time, you'll then get your emergency score. And that emergency is likely to be a premium given there's no uh, salary cap. So it's it's made to be a bit of a casual, fun way to play finals through the fanny, oh, fantasy through the finals with decent prize, yet to be confirmed prize, but the pool is going to be largely weighted towards weekly prizes, particularly first, second, and third per week, because if you have a dud week in one of the four, you can just butter up, unlimited trades, go again and try to win one of the prize pools the next week. So hopefully a bit of fun, get around it when it's live. Uh, yeah, Free entry, obviously, uh, as all fancy comps are. So uh, we're interested to see how that one goes. And that's through the Morose Magic website? Uh, no, have or its own separate... separate separate okay. domain uh, and it's built off the platform of the aflw fantasy which we we did last year which was hit and miss it was, it was good fun but it obviously a lot of learnings the platform itself uh crashed a few times so we've strengthened <laughs> that up hopefully and on the back of that we've now actually got the there's a lot of effort and cost to get up and running but now it's there we can run other comps so the first of those off-site being this finals one which i think will be a bit of fun yeah so the, and you can Sorry, the scoring system for this will be like AFL Fantasy, so Dream Team or yeah, yep. your kicks and yep. marks format. Yep. You haven't Excellent. converted me completely just yet. Uh, but <laughs> then again, who to say what's going to happen in the future because we input the scores. So yeah, they even record it's just the rate, um, ranking points, isn't it? If they record the ranking points, we would be able to emulate it for Supercoach scoring. But yeah, this year at least, it's definitely for uh, for fantasy scoring only. No, they do. I think they do record Supercoach scores during the finals as well, which are slightly different to rankings points, but I think ultimately similar. But I think the exciting part for our viewers is a lot of them play Supercoach, don't play Fantasy. So this is a really fun, friendly way to kind of dip your toe into that format just for the four weeks because, you know, you can win week to week. Uh, you don't have to worry about salary cap or price movements or anything like that. It's just picking the best players or even just a team that you like and seeing how it goes each week. Yeah, it's a bit like daily fantasy sports, but yeah. like weekly fantasy sports. You've got it for the week, plus you've got it for times four weeks. So obviously rewards longevity and whoever performs best over the four weeks, but it's also the the small snippets as well. There will be 
restrictions in place. So the first week you only allowed to have uh, up to three players per team from the eight teams playing. And then second week of finals, when there's four teams playing, you'll be able to have six from each team and then the grand final 12 from each team. So you, you have got restrictions there. So you have to work out, say, the Bulldogs, who have plenty of fancy relevant players, pick which where you're going to use your three players. And in terms of positions, they've been allocated as per discretion and a little bit more strict than what we see champion out of dish up. <laughs> you're getting quantum belly forward or Baz Smith forward. And Trelaw was looking, tracking to be a defender status, but those CBAs in the last game probably wrote that off. So we might have to be clutching at some, uh, some genuine defenders and forwards to hopefully get you some points. But don't tell me you're being more strict on positioning than the All-Australian selectors. Yeah, we speaking of, don't come Monday. I saw Jack's Crips, Jack Crisp's name there and then the other way. So I didn't actually use that. Uh, um, AFLW kicks off as well in, what, three days, Selby. So that's um, all looking good and ready to go. Yeah, and it's just little community building there. There's a few podcasts on the back of that. People are really enjoying it, the platform, because I'll put my hand up. I've never been a big knowledge or viewer of AFLW mm. until last year when the, the fancy came. So it's a nice blend between people who love their fancy and just want an extra game to play in the off-season and those who know and love their AFLW. So that's aflwfancy.com.au. Sign up now. That's already open. Register. Put a team in. Decent prize pool. Again, yet to be announced, but should be announced in the coming days. And again, a good excuse to to keep the fancy bug going if you're not burnt out and also get uh, involved and, and watch some engagement in women's footy well, a couple yeah, of so- discord members got got the hat last year and they were stoked about that so yeah i'm sure they'll be doing it again yeah so that's at aflwfantasy.com.au put the link in the description for that so sign up for that now um but yeah we'll get into some questions now for you selby um so you finished eighth this year so that's probably one of your worst performances given your history <laughs> of, <laughs> of um of playing fantasy um but what do you think makes you uh, so successful, cons- especially the consistency? Because in Supercoach, you look at the uh, Hall of Fame in Supercoach, and there's very, very few people that back it up year on year on year. You know, uh, Tommy was one of them uh, with the back-to-back top 10s, but that's pretty much unheard of in Supercoach. So uh, what do you think makes you uh, really success- successful at this game? Is it, you know, is it the you put it down to like the blueprint? Um, is it like just discipline? Like what would you put it down to if you could? Yeah, it's a mixture of a lot of things, and by no means it probably sounds silly given it's happened now for four seasons, but there is a lot of luck involved. There's no – I've put my hand up so there's been a lot of luck over the journey, but I also put a lot of time into it. I'm decent with my numbers, so I really look at the numbers, but the, the beauty about fantasy, it's a good blend between the numbers and intuition and, as you always say, the eye test, so watching it and – picking up roles and I, I played a fair bit of footy myself and get a good sense of, I played multiple positions and been a shit player in decent teams and a good player in bad, in bad teams and kind of get a good grasp on which sort of player is going to get that majority of the ball. So yeah, watch a lot of footy, played a bit of footy and then just stick in those principles of the blueprint. And the, and the underlying one I've always used in fantasy is to always pick a player who I think can outperform what they're priced at. And that goes against a lot of what the old school mentality was in firstly AFL fantasy, which guns and rookies was the only way to go. You pick who you think the best players in each line are going to be, and then you fill the rest up with rookies because that's who you can afford. 
Once the two trades, use or lose, came in, AFL Fantasy Unlimited, you could afford not to – like you can start without those best players in each line because you can afford to get them during the season, whereas the risk with limited trades and if you're going to miss out on those best scorers in the back end of the year, then you're going to fall behind. So through fantasy, I developed a thing where I just under paid for underpriced players and then slowly built myself up to having that best team of 22 quicker than – most teams and then took that into super coach which was a good year to do it given that a lot of those players and i mentioned before hewitt sisley neil brody crips all in my starting squad uh, and it's there's probably more than any other year and those top line expensive players probably didn't perform as well as they normally do so that underpriced strategy probably worked better than normal but on the flip side, it's uh, you mentioned like Sicily was 110 that year, COVID year before he started playing forward, and he's yet to play with his new kick in rule and get the extra points for the kick ins. George Hewitt's never played a, a go to inside mid role, gets first position feeds back. Will Brody's never had a proper run at it inside mid. So there's actually arguments for all those underpriced players that, well, why can't they be a top liner? Why do they have to only be the expensive ones to be the top liners? Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting though. Uh, would you something else think? So the defense this year I thought was quite difficult to nail. Um, probably more so in fantasy than supercoach because it was just felt like there wasn't really any increase until the last moment. But um, would you be willing if there were, if you couldn't see much value down back, for example, next year? Would you be willing to pay it like a call it fair price for like a Dawson or a Sicily? They will be expensive. So would you even even look at those blokes next year? Obviously, like next year, a lot of water to go on the bridge, but you look at their price and your first thought is like, no. It's a tough one. It depends if we get these extra trades again. So was those extra five trades super coach purely for the COVID, thinking that we might run into some issues and have to use them, which we actually, thank God, we didn't. And we all end up using them to upgrade our team soon. As I say, we didn't have those trades. You, you can't afford to be as aggressive with those underpriced guys. And I did jump on some underpriced guys who didn't really deliver like a – called well a row there was someone else in the midfield who I, I thought was underpriced and didn't quite deliver so in terms of next year come afl fantasy i certainly wouldn't pay up for those those top guys unless you think they can go another level which i don't super coach is interesting like those the scores which they were dishing up were midfield premium midfield numbers and is that going to be replicated again next year i'm not sure and in terms of paying up i'd Probably prefer to pay up for a Jordan Dawson than a James Sisley. I think a lot of things went Sisley's way this year. And Dawson, he's young up and coming. I think he can even go another level. But I'd try to find the value. And if it's not there, maybe that you're filling that up with rookies if you can't find an underpriced guy and getting uh, more premiums in the other lines. Yeah. Um, so uh, for Supercoach 2022, so I think you've played – in the past, I think like many, many years ago, I reckon I heard on your pod, you finished like in the top 50 or something like that. Yeah. I need to, I think, don't think super coach data can go back to that time, but I did play back in the day and was coming. Oh, I was coming second after round one. And, <laughs> uh, but I, I think I picked the size. I played fantasy was my preferred. I think it might've been dream team back then. It was that many years ago. And put in a super coach team full of players who I wanted to put in my fancy team but couldn't fit them in there. So it was almost like a bit of a, a second team. And then that far outperformed. And then obviously the, my attention went to that. And 
in the in the West Australian or the Perth Now newspaper, they had a, a leaderboard for the leaders in WA, and there was a separate prize for that. And my name was in there all year, and I ended up trying to win that towards the end. I think I traded out Gary Ablett in that round twenty two matchup against Melbourne when he kicked five goals and had thirty five or whatever, and that to try to get first in WA, which then propped <laughs> me from yeah top. 10, 15 overall to maybe 40 or something. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers. I would be good to dig up and see where that went. So I've always put a team in for Supercoach, but I haven't done so since I've been good at fantasy. So since 2018, where I've applied the craft so hard at it that I almost don't want any distractions, especially with the different price points and some players are relevant in one game than the other. I just wanted to purely put my focus on fantasy. So yeah, the queue's been in the rack since about 2018. Okay. So playing this year, is there anything you've learned that maybe you do differently next year? Yeah. So the trades, although they didn't come back to bite me, I'm fully aware that they probably should have. And the way I played it, which I think I had one or two trades left after around 13 or 14. In 10 seasons, probably eight of those seasons, you get a bit caught shorthanded like we saw those with a Hewitt and copping four donuts in four weeks or a Sam Walsh in the last round of the year. So it's definitely pre- preservation of trades, but certainly not doing that into if it's uh, slowing down your upgrading. So when I was upgrading through round three to round, oh, it's probably round four to round 10, I wouldn't take them back, which would have left me with maybe two or three trades more than I did. It's more like round one, I, I, I think I had a Jack Hayes on the bench who got that big score and I traded in a donut just to get that score. So that's like, I, because I didn't realize the importance of trades and then, and then the extra cash I could to get the donut. I think I had a cherry in there, went cherry down to a basement price, which gave me money to go Paddy McCartan up to Malira. And that was round one. Then Malira has dropped. So I traded him out back for Paddy McCartan, then traded back in cherry. So I essentially just wasted two trades off the bat so just to get a 126 or whatever you end up getting, or 140 maybe uh, in. Super coach. So little trades like that I wouldn't do. Uh, and then, yeah, the Caldwell move. And But then again, you, all you need is one Brody or a Hewitt or whoever it is. You, If you have a crack at five of them, they're not all going to pay off, but you just need probably four of them to pay off to be successful. So I certainly would continue to be aggressive with the trades. That's one thing I've, I noticed super coaches were very reluctant, to, except for you, George. You're ahead of your time. Oh, we're very reluctant. To stupid. Team trades and it was almost used as a, <laughs> a bit of a boasting things oh yep look at it i've got i've still got my 12 trades up the sleeve so well, what does 12 trades mean you don't get points <laughs> for them you know yeah uh, i know like with the trades i think i know this every year but i always stuff up early i just get a bit panicky guess you you know all these antipods like for us a lot of us didn't have like a crips or a sicily so I just had to like scramble to get them in early but for me like this year i realized how important trades are in the back end of the season and like I wanted to jump on like a Darcy Cameron. I couldn't cause I overtraded. Um, I wanted to get an M nine, uh, F seven swing player. And I think, you know, how many outs did we have in the back half of the year? You know, Timmy English missed Sam Walsh missed Fiat, Josh Kelly. He missed, um, like Gorn. If, if you, if you were able to cover Gorn there for a while, we've been great. He would have been a great pot to have. So those saving trades in the back half of the year, something, I really want to be conscious of so I can, you know, jump off, jump on opportunities and get that swing player. Um, would you agree with that? Um, using those, trying to 
be conscious of saving trades so you can, you know, take advantage of plays. Like even like a Dylan Moore, who I think he lost CBAs in the last two weeks, but he had like a 110 stretch jumping on plays like that. And also like, you know, we saw short and crisp. We were all our podcast 10 weeks in a row. How do we jump off short and crisp? And like, it was a bit too hard to do it. So is that something like next year you'll be conscious of, you know, saving those trades for the back half of the year? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and obviously I learned a lot from Tommy and I had ideas to bring in certain players and he was he's obviously very big on not only bringing in players who you think are going to be top liners in their position because that's certainly different to fantasy. We can bring in players who might not be anywhere near the top 10 in their position, but they're going to outperform their price for four weeks. You can trade them on, use as a price rise, jump on, go again. Whereas now to the rest of the season. So, uh, in terms of saving trades for the back end, yeah, I would have loved to trade a Crisp to a Sinclair early on and been a lot more relaxing. But uh, I wouldn't have done that for in replacement of doing the upgrades early in the season. Yeah. And what about you boys? So you got boys. I know you guys. I think I was four trades down on you boys for most of the year. But um, is that something you guys think? Um, you want to do say next year, maybe even like hold your trades more than you already had. Uh, I was probably the other way this year. I was too conservative early on, so I should have boosted earlier to fix more of my team. Uh, if I'd done that, then I would have been able to save trades later. So sometimes just being aggressive earlier and getting your team into a better place earlier saves you trades later. So like I didn't pick up Brody or Sicily, for example, who were super cheap, very discounted. Could have saved trades by not doing stuff like getting Dagoe or Zorko later. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, being more aggressive was actually probably the key for me this year. But uh, you, you do have to be careful with sideways trading because I think that's where in Supercoach a lot of people get caught up. So they use sideways trades either early on when they shouldn't or the during upgrade season. And that's where we saw things like uh, people trading out Cogs and getting burnt by that. People trading out Heaney getting burnt by that. Uh, people trading out Petrarca. There's there was like a, a a bunch of these sideways trades that just really went pear shaped. So, uh, yeah, being being more aggressive early is actually the key for me next year. And that's something I've taken out of playing fantasy this year. Points on the field is something I underestimated from a super coach perspective. Uh, for me, I, I think I did the strategy that I think I would want to do most years. I you know, you fix a couple of mistakes in the starting team. I just didn't fix the most glaring one in getting Brody. And then from, I think, look, round six to 10, I used the boosts all in a row, you know, upgraded, accelerated, and then just a couple went pear-shaped, you know. Steel got injured, Baz and Baz went wrong, um, you know, got Crips eventually, but it was too late and then got rid of him when it was uh, all right to keep him for last month. So, you know, things just went wrong for me that um, – you know, you can't sort of foresee and it's a bit unlucky, but I think actual trading, um, I think I did it, you know, the way I would want to in the future, continue doing the same thing. Yep. Um, so this one's for you, Selby. Uh, do you draw inspiration? Hey, all of these are for Selby. What are you talking about? No one wants to hear from us. <laughs> <laughs> Still, um, 
Okay, I'll, I'll, I won't say that next time. As you are being overly <laughs> critical of me, but I'll let that one go. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Selva, do you dr- draw your inspiration of how you play Supercoach or Fantasy from anywhere else, such as like a sport, like a, a job, like investing, anything like that? Nah, not really. Like a bit of the philosophies are investment floss, but I'm, I'd be Australia's worst investor, I reckon. Uh, but... <laughs> Like some of the classic ones, obviously, buy low, sell high. There is a one very good Warren Buffett quote, which I sort of live by, and that is you'd rather get a a good player at a fair price than a fair player at a good price. So I think it's particularly in super coach, like it's all good and well, and I always preach value and trying to get value, but you want to get those guys who are value who you think can still be a, a top liner rather than just getting a, a cheap one for the sake of it. And that was what Tommy was big on all season until he was forced to take a punt on a few uh, fair players at good prices, like a Baker, I think he got late in the year. And then when you're stuck with those fair players and it can really unravel. So there's one for you from the investment side, but it's more just, yeah, the fantasy and the blueprint going back to what no, no works. And it, it wasn't like I've, it was a first year playing fantasy in 2017. I've been playing for years and I finally landed on what I think is the, the system which works, which is buying those, Guys, you think can outperform that price, whether that be future role change or they've got a discount built into them from an injury or new club or new role, whatever it ends up being, whoever you think can outperform that, fill your team with them and then pick out those guys who have come down because every year someone's going to get an early injury, whether it was Jack Steele this year, mind you, I did start the season. I didn't start with Jack Steele. I got Jack Steele in pretty early uh, uh, there'll be decent players and top lines who are going to come um, come at your cheap during the year and it's a, the best time to pick them off Zach Merritt this year I jumped on him at a decent time and, and got that same rise which Eno got yeah Merritt was unbelievable this year he, he definitely killed me but um, yeah he's done he's done like 115 125 plus in the back half in previous years so Actually, yeah, do, speaking do, of speaking of merit in Essendon, uh, I realise there's a head coach vacancy at the mighty Essendon Football Club. With your fantasy and super coach finishes, you must be the most qualified candidate. Have they reached out to you yet for an interview for that for that job? Uh, obviously not. But uh, I've always said, like, I think anyone who doesn't play fantasy or super coach underestimate the fantasy and super coach community. Like, obviously, I think they just think we must just sit in our room playing Dungeon Dragons or whatever we do. <laughs> We actually watch players specifically more closely than anyone else. Like Jack Chris being in the Australian, we've watched him and how he just sort of going half hard, sort of sits off the contest, ball goes over his head and watch how they're running patterns, how hardly they're running, how hard they're running more than anyone else. So uh, certainly, certainly uh, I'd reached out. I wouldn't have any value in an AFL club, but I reckon that a, a group of fancy coaches could at least tell some coaches and teams how their players are actually performing i'll, I'll tell you what when uh, Leo cameron was costing me josh kelly last year i knew <laughs> every position he played that entire year every round where he started every cba i could have been an opposition analysis on josh kelly for any club for 22 weeks last year um so yeah <laughs> like just echoing your point i think well the only problem is we get very um 
uh, tunnel visioned on the players that we care about from a super coach perspective. But anyone in the the twenty two of our teams or thereabout, we uh, we're guns on that. He's made the squad this year, JD. Yeah, he has. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, Leon's gone, so that's to be expected. Cream rising to the top, uh, top again. He's actually another one. Like he hasn't been that good. No, nah. and the biggest <laughs> possession is <laughs> pretty late. Like that game against who was the one in the game style is ridiculous. Doggies. Oh, you're a doggy supporter, George. Uh, How bad he was that game. Pro sort of <laughs> oh, <laughs> supporter, but secondary. Oh, pro supporter. supporter. You, yeah, you, you wouldn't you, know he's a pro supporter. <laughs> if if crows and dogs games clashes, he's got the dogs games on. <laughs> more so the no comment. <laughs> Might be a new team next year for dunks, though. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Josh Kelly uh, not going there ever again. I think. Um, next question is: um, So, Selby, what were your main focuses in your preseason research? So, like, how important is like eye test stuff like that? Do you, do you like check CBAs, everything like that? So, yeah, what's the main focuses of the preseason for you? Yeah, CBAs are big and it's become a lot easier now that that's public data. I think since 2020 we've had access to CBAs. There's no secret that you see a, a trend in centre bounce attendances. Typically that brings about an uptick in points. And that's exactly what we're looking for on starting squads and who's priced at whatever and if they can outperform that. So the stats is big. Uh, eye test also big. It's hard to get too caught up in the eye test in the preseason though given that you do all this research over the preseason that you can make it's hard to make calls on on a little practice match but the numbers i like to look at are trends in fancy points trends in cbas over over a few years uh splits are like the last five games of the prior year last 10 games same thing splits between cbas and scores and points per minute and if there's an uptick there and then look at ways you think that they could outperform that price so obviously dividing their price by the magic number to see that average, which do you think they need a score to keep up that price and look at all the other scores they've done and where they've been at their best and whether you think that they can outperform that by a certain, certain level. So certainly a lot of numbers go into it uh, and then it helps. I do watch a lot of footy the year before that in terms of eye tests, you, you feel like you've got that built into you that how they look on the eye. What about yeah. um, injuries, Selby? How I know George is the the doctor in here, but um, <laughs> how much like do you write off players for certain injuries? And I, I know injuries different, so you can't have a sort of a blanket rule. But um, like full preseason, like if they've had a pretty interrupted one, will you stay away um, as a rule? Not a rule, but it probably should be. So injuries, I actually like getting players off the back of an injury because try to find a discount wherever you can and. Sicily was one of them. I'm not sure what the discount he was in Supercoach, but fancy, Mr. Full Seasons, he was discounted 30% lower than what his average was the prior year, which, as George mentioned, he was discounted on that anyway because he played forward a bit of that. So you try to find a discount wherever you can, and if it's an injury which caused that discount, then you take that risk because more often than not it pays off. But on the flip side, someone like a Matt Crouch was also on the watch list, and he came off an injury, soft tissue, but his preseason was interrupted, and he – Missed some training sessions, so thankfully didn't start with him, but he ended up having a shocking season for both Supercoach and for the Crows itself as well. So no blanket rule. Uh, they certainly all automatically come on the watch list on the back of an injury, and then it's just about if they can probably, yeah, without having it the rule there, the full preseason obviously helps. 
And now a quick word from our sponsors at Manscaped. They're bringing us the ultra smooth package to Australia. It's time to stop, drop, and order the premium shaving kit. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shaver for your bowls. But if you're looking for a closer shave and go down there, then the ultra smooth package is for you. It is time to shave your bush, that bush of yours, and get right to the roots. And we have a discount code just especially for you guys, 20% off using the code FTTV. That's 20% off using the code FTTV. All products at Manscaped are vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products. So you know your manhood is in good hands. We've been using the Lawnmower Port 4.0. I've used it a couple, I think three times now, and it gets better every time. Boys, out of 10, Lawnmower 4.0, how good is it? 11, correct. <laughs> well, it does its job, mate. So absolutely, uh, 10 out of 11. <laughs> I don't know what the say. Oh, Get it now boy. and you won't be disappointed. You'll be the only bloke left without one at this rate if you don't have it by now. So this one, we can go around to everyone. So uh, never again list. So with never again list, like anything can happen. I guess I remember Michael Walters wasn't on, was on my never again list and he was all Australian and the top, I mean, the top four forward one year. Um, but anyone in mind that you guys never want to pick again? I mean, I'm still happy to pick Heaney, I think, at the right price. Um, Tim English is pretty close to my never again. Just cops so many knocks. Um I think soft tissues, he had one this year, Hammy. I think a little bit unlucky, copped a bit of a cork as well there. So uh, maybe, I'm not sure I have anyone on the Never Again list. Probably the closest would be a Tim English, and I don't think I'll start Cogs again, um, maybe at a discounted price. Maybe that's a little harsh, but um, <laughs> Eno, who's, uh, who's on your Never Again list? I put this one down. I just sort of, uh, I don't think you should have never again list really. I know we all like want to, you know, write people off and say stuff this bloke, never pick him again. I think Whitfield's like the, probably the most common you would see around yeah. all fantasy community, super coach, everything just because of um, how many times it's happened and, and GWS in particular. But like, to be honest, if he's going to be a pretty decent price for next year, new coach, they just got uh, what Kingsley today, from the Tigers, you assume or hope that they'd play some, um, you know, better footy, you know, put him in his, you know, correct positions. I think we sort of have to still consider it. You can't just completely wipe him off. So I personally don't. Um, maybe it would only be if a guy's just had so many injury problems in the past that, um, you know, you just can't trust him. And I guess Whitfield is probably one of those guys. But he's never really the type of injuries that um, repeat. It's just he's been pretty unlucky. So I probably don't. Um, what about you, JD? And then I guess we'll get to Selby, but yeah, I don't have him. I don't think you should really. Yeah. I am the same boat. Like it's best probably not to keep a never again list. Although I know in my head it should be GWS players. And there's a bunch of this list, like Whitfield Williams in days gone past Josh Kelly almost never works out. Uh, so yeah, th those combined with discounted injured superstars of like three to five years ago. So you know, like Dangerfield, Fife, Dusty now, like these types of players, you should probably just never pick them either. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've got um, amnesia, like I'm in Memento or something like that, where every year I pick up the sign that says no GWS players and then I load up my team with three or four of them because they're underpriced and could be guns. So <laughs> probably do it again next year, even though I know I shouldn't. 
Yeah, I'm the same as Eno in terms of you shouldn't have one because every player should be relevant at the right price. And you know that a lot of coaches are rational and then they'll, or irrational, sorry, and then they'll will not pick someone purely because of their name. And all you need is for them to have that breakout. You can you can take that leap. It's it's more, as JD mentioned, looking at teams. So like GWS this year, we all stacked sides with them. We realised that they just, we, no one can predict their midfield rotation so while Leon was there then hindsight was where we should have never picked a GWS player when it comes to Richmond and Jaden Short we've known for years they're just not high possession players of the footy so the never again should be well even Short gets the midfield he's not going to score so maybe avoid Richmond players so it's more maybe on on certain game styles and teams and unfortunately and we saw that with Collingwood again sorry with McRae, he's taken some of those Richmond philosophies and hence not many high-possession players at the Pies. And it's going to be interesting to see another uh, alumni Richmond coach being Kingsley going to GWS if he's going to bring that philosophy of low possession, slap the ball forward, low fantasy points. So that's something to watch for next year. Okay, just quick one around the room. Um so obviously new coach, but Lockie Whitfield four seventy k next year, cheapest <laughs> starting price he's been in a long time. Uh, will you be leaning, say, leaning towards yes or no for Lockie Whitfield for that price, uh, Selby? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, well, I paid up more than that this year to start him. So if I'm getting cheaper, then I certainly will be. JD, Oh, uh, leaning yes, I'd say JD. He is on my 2023 cheat sheet already. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'll be looking at him for sure. There, to be fair, there are lots of other interesting cheaper price players next year as well. So he's not a lock, but yeah, definitely be in consideration. Where do you boys draw the line? <laughs> Here we go. I know there's no, it's weird because no soft tissue in, injuries, which generally repeat, but if it's not his hip, it's his ankle. So his ankle. I was going to say, well, what was it this year? Else. It wasn't like back. really early that his he was ankle. playing through something. Ankle. Yeah, from ankle. like what I round? Think... Round one. <laughs> <laughs> round one. Yeah, it was undisclosed. It was like full yeah. preseason into actually is carrying something basically all year. Leo, and Leon's like groin, groin problems as well, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, hopefully, new coach, maybe they actually report their injuries next year. Um, probably, so two more quick ones. Um, so, Selby, you've been very ambitious. What you've, what you've done for uh, fantasy sports has been unreal. you got the platform. you got the, the podcast with, uh, with Big X and, um, and Tommy. Um, you always, every year, you seem to improve. Um, do you have any big plans? You don't have to say them, but yeah, are you planning? Yeah, you no, you do. Breaking news. This is a breaking news. <laughs> you might not want to share anything yet, but um, any big plans for next year for fantasy nah, and super coach? Nothing in particular. Like, as I mentioned, like people who don't play fantasy think that we sit there and it's not a very cool thing to do in Australia, play fantasy sports, whereas I spend a lot of time over in the States. And if you don't play fantasy sports there, you're kind of left out of the chat the water cooler chat and it's just a cool <laughs> sport over there. So just trying to emulate some stuff, which is over there and EPL as well as, as Eno knows how big it is and how big, how undervalued I think fantasy sports is in Australia. So continue to try to bring right. things to, to bring the attention to it and starting off with the, the competitions themselves, which is a tough one because 
Yeah, it's it, it costs a bit of money to run, and we obviously can't charge people to play either the finals fantasy or women's fantasy because then it's deemed to be gambling. So free comps and just trying to work out ways to to bring yeah fancy footy back to become cool again, which you guys certainly do. And I, out of the Supercoach podcast, I'm, I'm pretty time poor, but this was one I'd certainly tune into during the year. So just uh, on next Thanks year's plans, actually. Words. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We'll accept the confidence. Thank you. Um, so uh, obviously you've you've stepped away from fantasy for a couple of years, but played super coach just because you're going to do a podcast on it, may as well um, have a go at the game. Uh, are you looking at returning to super coach and are you considering, you know, has it given you the itch to play fantasy again? Uh, not last what round. The stress levels came back to those. <laughs> plus you know, top to get the top 10. Uh, I will play super coach, I reckon. Uh, so the reason why I don't the sell why I don't play fantasy, which is true, because I charge for my the content, and if I've got people paying for my advice, and I was also playing, I wanted to win as well in the fantasy land. Part of me mm. would be wanting to withhold some of my best advice, so by not playing, it's it could be full disclosure and give my best content out there. But realistically, it's because there's every chance I can come. 5,000, 10,000. I know how hard the game is. People, <laughs> I was lost and they won't come in again next year. Whereas Super Coach is a bit more of a free hit for me, less of a reputation to hold up. Uh, and certainly the free hit was this year. It'll be interesting to see the learnings from last year to see how it, it stacks up. And I'm just watching Tommy and how across everything he is and his philosophies of what he runs true. And then a bit of bad luck mid-season and he took a few shortcuts with some players and just see how quickly he can go to 10,000, how competitive it is in Supercoach. Uh, so I'm, I'm, there's every chance I could come 10,000th, but I, it was a bit of fun and a good way to play without being the pressure which I used to feel with with fantasy, trying to uphold the good record. We haven't asked you, but I, yeah. I, maybe something I want to ask you is what what do you think about the scoring in general with Supercoach and, and Champion Data? What... Like uh, you don't have to sit in a you know pick a side or whatever, but um, yeah. I mean they they both got their pros and cons. Let's be honest, but yeah, what what did you make of it um, playing it? Probably your first full serious season. Yeah, there's elements I really liked about it. About the one, it made the watching the game a bit more enjoyable rather than just waiting for someone to get a kick. You'd just <laughs> you'd get a kick, then you'd still be hanging on where that ball was going to go, and then. Someone else yeah. marks, oh, let's hope they score here, get a score involved. And there's all so much stuff which goes yeah. into it. So it keeps you on your keeps your attention going a bit too much. But I also liked it that, say, like Zach Butters, who I owned, who got off to a flyer that game when they smashed whoever it was that day. Might have been Swans, was it? And uh, he then got injured halfway through the second. And while being on the bench for three quarters and people bagged the game that there's points still go up even though they haven't been on the field. Well, he was impactful when the game was won or lost. Yeah. So their points keep going up there. So there's certain elements in that, and which I really like, the, the scoring system. I mean, it would be good to know the exact formula. Not watching yeah. enough games or watching the scoring system, you kind of get a good feel for it. Uh, but I'm probably pro the scoring system. Uh, I'm against the fact that it's no live updates and rankings and the platform I think is pretty clunky mm-hmm. on the thing and yeah, then who right. knows the trades the limited trades versus unlimited trades like part of me quite like not having that stress of making the decision each week knowing that I, well, they're out of my hands let the trades run but on the flip side if this was fancy I could have made a few moves even at the end 
when I was, say, 300 points behind the leaders with six rounds to go, I would have loved to trade out those popular own players, bring in some unique players, which could have backfired and I could have finished 25th, 30th, but also would have given me a chance, like JD tried to do in fantasy, to try to go for the top. So to there's a bit yeah. more cat and mouse in, in fantasy, which I quite like. Last one before we let you go. I will go around the room on this one. So more of an AFL question here, but uh, who do you think the best player in the league? Who's your favorite player and your premiership tip? So I'll start. So uh, the best player in the league, I think it's Clayton Oliver. Uh, My favorite player to watch is Connor Rosie. And my tip for the flag is other swans. So I'm excited for the final series. Um, Eno, what do you reckon? Uh, On the spot, um, I think the best player in the league for me, uh, Clary's a very good one. I'd probably have him second, but I think it's still the Bont. What he can do uh, affect a game, you know, with with limited disposals is just unreal. He hasn't. He's been quite injured a lot, probably the last two years really, um, after his hot patch last year. But I'd say still full fitness. He's like he's just the guy I'd want on my team. Favorite player to watch? I mean, it probably could be him as well, to be honest. But maybe, maybe like a Dawson, just owning him all year. It's been fun to watch him play uh, multiple positions as well because he's played all over the ground. Um, be nice if he was in a little bit better team watching him forward of the ball because I just think he has that much effect as well. Then the tip for the flag, uh, I think the D's. If they look, and, I mean, they got their game going. I know Brisbane, just yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But if they've got their sort of confidence back heading into finals now. And their game back, um, you know, back in Melbourne as well. I, I just read a tweet today. They're not leaving Melbourne for the whole finals, no matter what happens, whether they lose the first one, win or whatever. So at the G in front of their fans that they couldn't play in front of last year, I think, yeah, I think for, for me, it's probably them. JD? Uh, so I was going to say uh, Clayton Oliver for, for the first two, I think he's both both the best player in the league, and I actually really enjoy watching him play. I know there are more exciting X Factor types, but just you get consistency in Oliver every game. You get to see basically see him at his best. Uh, tip for the Premiership would be the Cats. I know it's pretty popular to hate on them just because of their history of making it to the finals and then exiting as quick as they arrived, but. They are the one team that doesn't seem to have a glaring weakness in any of their lines. They've got a healthy list. They've been consistent. I did get a little bit nervous after seeing D's played some really good form on on the weekends, but yeah, I think it's hard to go past the Cats just given what they've put together this year. Selby, uh, yeah, it's, I was tossed up between Oliver and Bont, and they're the ones you Probably Clayton Oliver. I think his kicking's underrated and his pace is underrated. Like he spreads from contests as well mm-hmm. as other players, but he doesn't get those accolades just because people think he's that in and under. Best to watch. Oh, there's there's a heap. Just a real left field one, just because I love watching yesterday. Brandon Maynard, like his aggression, mm-hmm. he so that doesn't make a mistake. I'd love to see him have a proper crack at the midfield because I think he could be unlike a short crisp being pushed in there. I think he could be more of a Laird Mills, which will be a high tackler. Throws himself around, also can rack him up. The one to watch if he ever gets that look of a role change. And I'm on the D's as well for the flag. Yeah, I must say when when like I found out Chris was going to midfield this year rather than Maynard, I was so confused because I was sure after last year it was Maynard that was going to get the run through. But yeah, too good down someone, back. I, think. I was going to say someone you'd love to have a couple of 
definitely one of those players for sure. Yep. So I think we'll wrap it up there. I know you got uh, your podcast to do, Selby. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, what you do for the fantasy community is unreal. Um, just building every year. So I was just thinking, um, you know, how can we keep growing fantasy? I'd love to see a fantasy TV show. and Maybe you can get mm. into X, get that, somehow get that organized. <laughs> you guys would do like a TV show. I don't know, because he's got all the media all the media connections, but I think that'd be a great idea. Is that something you'd be at all interested in if you somehow had the time for it? <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm not as good on screen as as, as <laughs> not polished these days, but uh, it would be great to have that, and I think there'd be a want and a need for it. But again, I just don't think both broadcasters and anyone else realise the impact yeah. on how many people would would leave, and the fact that you don't even see fancy points or scores on the screen like build it into broadcast rights uh, the amount of people who watch certain games purely for their for their fancy is underrated did you ever see like a press red for ed on foxtel where you get like the alternate commentary with like eddie mcguire and like a collingwood nuffy squad on a collingwood game i'm fantasy sure if commentary. You, yeah i'm sure <laughs> if you had like a fantasy or super coach commentary box that was the alternate one people could swap over to you would get tons of people that would be more interested in that than people begging for players that like on their team like <laughs> just one more tackle come on but yeah i'm sure that would get up to get some good viewers yeah warney <laughs> calvin and roy the guys who run the afl traders they're brilliant at what they do they're the best in the business and they did live stream on radio yeah. one game which was good to watch but again it, you couldn't sync it with the screen and watch the game so yeah there's something in that yeah uh Maybe yeah i did a tv show that would do a good job yeah i mean yeah i appreciate what selby said because like i play the other ones and just see how popular it is like and it, as you said incorporating to the tv show you watch nfl red zone it's like on the side it's like the main thing they show it's like the best wide receiver of the day, running back, FPL. There's got a literal show that goes for like two hours a week about it. So, um, and they've actually get like content creators that have just come from building their own brand onto those shows, like onto the FPL shows. So, look, obviously in Australia, it's not uh, as many eyeballs, but um, it just would be cool. And it is cool what you do, you know, building up the fantasy community because, yeah, I want to make it cool again. It's, um, it's a good talking point. Like there's, you know, like we said, there's not many, you know, there's a couple of games a week you probably wouldn't even turn the TV on for, but you've got a couple of players in them and you're, you're happy to watch. Um, so they definitely, um, hopefully in the future, can, can look at stuff like that. Yeah, me, we'll let you go now. Selby, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks. No worries. All right, so that's the interview done, but I think we can touch on the All-Australian team. So the squad is out. Uh, you can check that out. It's all over Twitter and whatnot. I think we went over at the main one, probably a crisp, maybe a Kelly. Not too happy about. Um, any general thoughts? Any players are stiff to miss? What do you think, guys think? Uh, so the, I think the two names that I've seen that are stiff to miss, which uh, like I think most people agree with, are Doherty and Dawson, uh, two of the halfbacks or like slash wings that kind of did really well this year uh both defensively and offensively especially dawson was able to play multiple positions really well uh there's a few players in there that i could see that i would quite easily uh take out for him uh yeah otherwise i think a lot of the other ones are, are line balls it's just you know um uh, fans arguing for their homer pick 
you know, there's a, there's always going to be a 45th and a 46th best player, and you can pretty easily argue they should be in over the ones that are in there. But I think those two were probably the biggest towers for mine, or at least like the most obvious emissions. Did did you guys find anyone else that you thought was really stiff to miss? I thought Doc had a good year. Yeah, Doc's real stiff. Doc had some like, really massive games. I know he gets like a fair bit of junk, like junk, kick mark yeah. down in the back half. But you know he he goes um, with the back of the flight. Um, what's the saying? Um, yeah, backs into contests all the time. Um, spoils, does all the defensive stuff, and then offensively provides so much drive. Um, so I thought, yeah, I would have had him in, possibly even in the twenty-two, but not to be. I had him in, in my 22. I, I mean, especially the last couple of weeks, like being down midfielders, he's gone in there at times uh, to help out. I mean, well, not at times. He's, what, 80 and 88% CBAs the last two weeks. Like, he's played well in there for them, and, and yeah, I thought he could easily be in. Um, but it's weird. Like, uh, there's probably limitations, or not limitations, but, you know, how many certain position they got to have, you know, general forward, key forward, general defense, you know, all that sort of stuff. So you kind of got to take him out from there. Um, so looking at the defenders, uh, I'm assuming Gus Brayshaw. I just think he makes a team is one. Um, Maynard, Saad, Sinclair, Rioli. Uh, maybe it's five they've got. So you could easily have them over a Rioli, maybe a Maynard, but I guess they want some Collingwood representative and he's probably their best shout maybe for a oh, spot. But yeah. Nick, Nick Dacos is probably one that we didn't mention was stiff to miss that probably yeah. would have been their shout. I mean, Darcy Moore is probably the only other one, but I think there are lots of other key, key defenders that had really good yeah. yeah, really good years. Um I think the only other like tall forward I can think of would be Peter Wright, who I think what kicked six yeah, goals over in, text, in an sure. equally bad side. But I don't mm. know, like Tex does lots of stuff around the ground that Peter Wright maybe doesn't, although Peter Wright plays more in the ruck. So like, you know, once again, this is like a fans arguing for homers, right? Like those are line ball picks where Someone's got to miss out, so you could yeah. argue either and, way. Yeah, maybe they're guys that probably weren't making it anyway. So, but yeah. the Doc and Dawson yeah. are that probably had a chance. You would think. Yeah, totally, totally. So they're the ones that probably, yeah, you know, at least you'd think be recognised in the forty. Yep, I reckon to finish up, I got the squad of it's forty-four this year, I believe. Tom Brown mm-hmm. tweeted. Um, yeah, wait, has yeah, that changed? <laughs> yeah, maybe. it kind of makes sense, I guess, if you're picking twenty-two and double it rather than forty. I don't know. True. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to read out 10 names and you just have to say in or out of the 22. So in or out. Crisp out. (laughs) (laughs) Of the 44, Uh, please. (laughs) Okay. uh, Mark Blitzarves. I didn't have him in mind, but I think in. I think he actually makes it. Uh, No, no, no. Not whether he makes it or not. Like for me. Do you think he should be in? Yeah. I'm even warming in the 22 or the 44. Just say in the 22 or out the 22. 22. Okay. I say out. (laughs) JD's doing real hard. Oh, yeah. So it. I think it depends if if you're not picking if you're not picking a second ruck, he can be in. Otherwise, out. I don't. I don't think as a key defender standalone, he was good enough to get in. But if he's playing defender and um, like second ruck, then fine. He can also mm. be your tagger, I guess. Marcus Bontempelli. In. Uh, I had him out. In. Brennan Cox. 
out. 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 That'll go to Sicily, Taylor, and May. Yep. Tom I think he's Hawk. stiff to miss, by the way. He's very, like, he's actually very good, but I just, there's others yeah. ahead. So there's four key forwards that are pretty much in the running. Takes one, get mm. in, but Hawkins. I think it's between Hawkins and Lynch. So say Hawkins or Lynch in the team. I'll go with Lynch. I think has been more dominant, had more dominant games. I mean, I'll Homer say Lynch. I had him in mind. Like his goals per game is is clear number one, but Hawkins does so much more too. Like I think he's top two and like your assists and goal, you know, that type of thing. So he does bring others into the game. It's it's stiff. Yeah. Could we get just rid of Kerner? I know he won the Coleman, but geez, he really uh, last just off based off his last two weeks. No, <laughs> no he's been good. No, I know, I know. It's stiff. Someone's got to miss. I would say I'd have Hawkins. I think Lynch's numbers are slightly inflated, by the way. The Hawks game where they were just mucking around with game plan and so he didn't have a defender and kicked eight was a bit of a joke. And uh, Essen wasn't much better. I think outside of those two games, he's like goal numbers are slightly inflated. And I agree what Hawkins does around the ground is just better. So I like it's fine if Lynch gets in, but I would have Hawkins ahead. Isaac Heaney. He's in for me. In, yeah. Like if you're picking a proper team with proper half forwards rather than midfielders, then he's got to be in, I think. There's not not too many that do that role better. Yep, agree. Rory Laird. Tough Ooh. competition for mids. Obviously, I'm going to say in. So in for me. I had him On in. The bench. Over Crips. Uh, I haven't put a side together. I could see myself going either way. It's, I think like this is where super coach in fantasy blinds us a little bit because he's been so dominant in those formats that my gut reaction is just to say in. But like watching the games, I don't think he was like as dominant or had the X factor that some of the other mids do that would typically get them in. All right, this is like why Jack McRae doesn't get accolades because yeah. he's just a bit vanilla. It's like um, death by a thousand cuts. Just all the tackles, yeah. all the inside fifties, all that. They just add up, but nothing spectacular. I mean, the least lead has the defensive uh, side of his game and the tackling that lifts him up, and I think does really put him into um, consideration over like a McRae or like Titch outside of his brown low year. Uh, I will go out though, or no, in. He probably makes a bench spot. I'll say in. Connor Rosie. This is hard. I had him in on the bench. I in. I think probably in, and he's like the other half forward that isn't Heaney, which is, I guess, a little bit of a cop out because his best role this year was during like playing midfield, not really half forward. Mm. I think he'll either get a bench if he's in, he'll either be on the bench or like on the wing, just because that's how they that's how it works. <laughs> Who's he competing against? Like for spots, he's a mid. Oh, like, I don't know what they do. That's but the they're thing. probably put him at half like, board, right? like Mills and Bont for a bench spot, something, something like that. I would have thought they they're putting against like Fritch, um, Stengel, Rosie, Heaney. We'll all go up against it. Nah, I think they're gonna pick out the actual small forwards. The forward line, I think, will actually be all forwards this year. That's There's what enough I there. Do. Yeah, There's too many. Cameron and yeah. Bolton. Yeah. Oh, Heaney. okay. Well, then I tell you, he's probably out then. And he's yeah, started. Rosie's year was start of the year was bad enough that I, I didn't have him out. If they do have a midfield on the half fourth flank, it'll probably be Petrarca. Yeah, uh, true, true, true. 
Yeah, so I, I'll say out then. Although his goal kicking was his goal kicking was deplorable this year. Track. Yeah. Uh, what about Thomas Stewart? Oh, sorry. Just on Rosie before we go to Stewart. Like, would you rather have Bolton or Rosie? I feel like similar different players. positions. Different no positions. Bolton's mid that goes forward as well. Rosie's so, more uh, pure mid, up and down the middle of the ground. But they're both smaller it's mid. Touch X Factor. Uh, well, sure. Rosie's not playing that way at the moment. That X Factor that he was, he's collecting heaps of the pill. Well, I'd still take Rosie over Bolton, but I think Bolton's going to be a lock, probably. Where's Shay? Shay yeah. more than What about, uh, okay, Tom Stewart? Tom Stewart, well, now looking at it, he's in, really, isn't he, George? I know you've looked at it and you've you've had a bit of a yeah, cry over it. With the defenders they've picked in the 40, for like no Doc or Dawson there, I'm pretty sure he just has to make it now. So I have to say he's in. What's it's like Sin- Sinclair and Stewart? It's like your Wilkies and like <laughs> Brennan Coxes and It'll stuff. Be Cicely like. May Taylor, Sinclair. And, and what do they do in the past? They reward the top team Simon. on the ladder with, with five. Yeah. They always reward them with like five. So. And then Gus won't get in because four other Ds will get in no, or three others. Oh, yeah, or maybe, right. maybe. I hope maybe he does. Then. Yeah. I, he does. I think it'll be embarrassing if he gets in, but that's me. Missed too many games. Five? Is mm. that too many? He's like, it's that's like probably the cutoff. Early, basically six. Okay, right. How? how yeah. And he hasn't, on the well, he hasn't really done anything for four weeks. So he's basically been out for eight weeks. He basically missed 10 right. games. Yeah. Uh, so it's crisp. <laughs> Maybe 20. Yeah. Yeah. I then, mean, I would have I would have picked Dawson and probably Doherty ahead of Stewart, uh, in, Stewart. A, in the 22. <laughs> How much do they go into? Is this a team that's playing a game? Because not if really. he's there along with three other tall defenders, it doesn't make sense, I would think. But who knows? They, they never. Let's be honest. They put midfielders on the wing for ten years. All right, we'll do two more. Uh, Jared Witts. Are they bench spot or rock? Or yeah, well, uh, whichever. But that's what are they going to do? That that's my that's my thing. Well, they've done it in the past, so he'd be consideration for a second rock. Hmm. The rock's tough. I think he's out. So he's many just pretty stiff though. Underperformers. I don't know. I think Gorn's better, clearly. Um, so if they're happy enough to pick him. He's only missed a couple, Gorn. So no, I'd say Wits misses out. Which oh. would be unlucky. He's been really good. So how many hitouts uh, do you think uh, Gorn had for the year? Not sure. I'd say Wits. Nowhere near Wits. <laughs> so... But, uh, Jared Witts had 833. Max Gorn had 530. So Witts had over 300 more, more than 50% yeah. more. Gorn was the number six for hitouts this year where Jared Witts was like clear number one, basically 100 over second, which was um, O'Brien. Yeah. You know what we arguments Disposals. <laughs> yeah. Max disposals. Like ah, Ruckman. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's obviously the, the like the really interesting thing here. If Max Gorn has... Straight. It'd lock yeah. his spot in because <laughs> yeah. he gets so many looks at it. Oh. Yeah, I think. I mean, right. the other thing is, Gorn had a few games this year where he was kind of the reason why um, the D's won. It never, even Wits' better ruck games, it never felt like he was the reason why they won. 
outside maybe one or two early. Uh, but like the ruck dominance just doesn't seem to like translate into game dominance as much as what Gorn can do around the ground, uh, both like intercepting defense in the forward line. So I would imagine that Gorn gets picked over wits. Just Vic Bias been there before, big name, <laughs> captain of a top side. But like, yeah, I could see wits getting in. I, I yeah, yeah. Last one, uh, Keller Mills. This just feels like wing spot all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> mm, I guess so. Um, I'm going to say no. I think he's had a few quiet games. He gets thrown down back, so... I don't know. I'm probably... Does he really kick goals? Not really. Here and there, not a lot. He's had a really good um, year. He's had he a gets a year. lot of cheap possessions in the back half. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, a like Yeah, so I think there was one good. game. There was one game where he destroyed the Hawks. I think it was. That yeah, was he's got like clear, 210. Yeah, 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 and that was like his clear best game of the year, where he was not only that accumulator around the ground, but really damaging. And the last two months, honestly, he has been playing outside, down back, lots of cheap touches, not as much of the damaging play. Still, obviously, good, but. If he's in consideration for a ring roll, I could see him getting it. If he's playing pure mid against some of the other options here, I'd have him out. Okay. <laughs> I th- think we'll wrap it up there, boys. That was good to speak to Selby. Uh, definitely can learn, learn a lot from him. Uh, any closing comments? Actually, Go. yes. Yes, there is. There was a bet that you are all too happy to forget about, George, um, <laughs> that has been running all year between one Matthew Rao and uh, one Patrick Lipinski. Would you like and, to hear the final results? And Matthew Rao is the winner. <laughs> 19.25 points to Lipinski's 18.89. I think he needed something like 100 and whatever it was, like a big 120 score to get over the line, but couldn't do it in the last round. So... Rao takes the takes the cake. <laughs> George wants Dylan Shield to yeah, not be 90, forgotten. <laughs> I think I read ninety two average for Dylan Shield. Uh yes, but a total point he's gets not even players, close. Apparently. Yeah, not even close. He's uh two hundred and fifty oh. points behind. One hundred and fifty <laughs> points behind. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? I don't know. We'll <laughs> we'll maybe figure that out for next week. If uh, listeners have got any suggestions on what George's punishment should be. Let me know. I think you should also cop a smaller punishment. Even though I had two players, ultimately, uh, you let me have Dylan Shield in the bet. So <laughs> you signed up for that. Did we right. get the clip? I forget what was said. Yeah. I so think I said, oh, anyway. No, so originally what happened it. was George like, agreed to Shield versus Rao, right? And then like the next week, he was like, yeah, it's Lipinski versus Rao. <laughs> uh, he backed out of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, so he swapped it. And I was like, oh, whatever, take both of them. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's been pretty poorly run. Uh, but look, I'm happy to take a small punishment as well. Maybe Anno can um talk with some of the boys in the Discord and come up with some appropriate punishments. Yeah, we'll have some bets next year, maybe as well, and, and yeah. figure out punishments before. Uh, my last thing is I'll just shout out all the uh the Discord members and just the community members, I guess, and um, you know, the support this year. We're not stopping, as we said, we're doing some. During the finals, going to do Selby's game and we might make up a super coach one ourselves, sort of just a free hit weekly thing for a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, all, all, all the support, um, 
we had actually quite some success, I guess, with some leagues. Um, you know, the top six teamer, top ten teamer. Our sort of teams, me and JD, in the 12 team has performed well. Still can't find where George is, so I won't scroll. Um, and then in the 18 teamers, which I guess is the main one, we weren't able to pip off uh, number one, but we had the number two league um, with quite a few Discord members in that. So um, whilst it might feel like we haven't got the greatest end rankings in the world, um, me and JD climbed and, and JD climbed all the way to... The best of us three, but it, you know it's still been a pretty successful year for us and um, most of our community. So, yeah, that's that's all I got, and I guess we'll see you next week.